from electronic fuel injection to the power sports toys that fuel your weekends, join Walbro each month for Talk and Shop as we discuss all the machines that make life better. Hello and welcome to Talk and Shop, a podcast from the experts at Walbro. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. It's a pleasure, as always, to have you along for the ride for this episode of the show. Now, today I'm speaking with Mike Coyle. He's a Walbro Executive Vice President and the President of the Fuel Systems Business Unit at Walbro. And we're going to talk about the current state of the market in 2021 and where the industry is moving in the future. Mike Coyle, thanks so much for joining me here on the podcast. My pleasure. Happy to be here. I am happy to have you on the podcast today, Mike, and, and I'm excited to dive into some of these topics with you. And, you know, I, I've been reading in the press recently that the market for power sports products like ATVs, UTVs, things like that, as well as, you know, motorcycles, boats, has really exploded throughout this time of the pandemic. And it sounds like this wasn't something that was really planned for, but with the way that the pandemic kind of rolled around on the calendar and uh, the way people were looking to maybe do some things outside while staying a little bit more social distanced, uh, allowed people to have, you you know, some some freedom to do some outdoor activities and they gravita- gravitated a little bit more towards these markets. Can you tell this impact on, on the fuel systems group that you're president of at Walbro and kind of give us the, the details of how this has had an impact on, on, on your industry? You know, this has been one of the uh, outcomes of COVID that quite honestly was unexpected, but uh, unexpected in a good way. You know, last spring when COVID really started to take hold, and we had plant shutdowns and so forth, we got way behind with our customers. Uh, it was uh, unavoidable. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody went through it pretty much at the same time. And then when the first wave passed and, and we were allowed to come back to work and allowed to get uh, back into production, of course, all of our customers then wanted everything that they had ordered pre-COVID. They wanted it all like yesterday. <laughs> and so there was the big effort to try to get uh, caught up uh, with uh, past orders. Uh, and the stories we were hearing from from customers, I'll call out one in particular, uh, Polaris told us that last April was their strongest month of snowmobile sales in the history of the company. Wow. When, when everyone was home, couldn't do anything, had to stay home, couldn't go out to eat, couldn't do anything, they were, they were buying snowmobiles like crazy. And and Polaris had to get real creative in in uh, how do you take an order when you don't have any inventory. Mm-hmm. And so, so they came up with all kinds of uh, plans uh, to capture those orders and then uh, promise their customers when they would get delivery. What that meant to us was, okay, we've got to get caught up. We we uh, our plants were down for two to three months, depending on the uh, where they're located. First, we've got to get caught up, and now we've got this surge, uh, this incredible surge of demand, and and customers like Polaris telling us that you don't understand. The dealers have nothing. There is nothing in the dealerships. There's nothing in the pipeline to the dealerships. There's nothing in our plants, and all these orders are coming in. So it's been absolutely crazy since uh, June of, of last year when we really were allowed to come back to work. And that has, uh, it's, it's, that's stressed us, to be honest. Uh, we are running maxed out seven days a week, three shifts. And when you work people that hard, it's, you, you can't do that forever. Uh, it just, people get tired. Uh, when they get tired, they're, they're more likely to make mistakes. They're more likely to have accidents. Uh, they're much more likely to call in on Monday 
because they just worked uh, all weekend. It's, you know, it's, it's stressed our plants. It's, and it's stressed the whole supply chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, every part we buy, and, and we have a global supply chain, so we've got parts coming from Europe, from Asia, from Brazil, uh, Mexico. Every part of the supply chain is, is stressed, and the logistics is, uh, is uh, stressed as well. You know, I read an article the other day as another one of these side effects you don't expect uh, when you come through something like COVID. The the crews on cargo ships are like uh, orphans that can never dock. Hmm. It doesn't it doesn't matter where they're coming uh, from and wow. to. They can't get off the ship. They're not allowed to. They might have COVID, and it doesn't matter where they dock. They're not allowed off the ship. So they're like they're like in prison. And so, you know, wow. all these, th- all these things you never expected, but the, the net effect on, on shipping, especially over the water, uh, big delays, big cost increases. Um, even, even if we, uh, uh, default to airship for critical parts, we, we might wait three weeks to get a pallet of parts on an airplane. That's, that's what's going on in the, in the manufacturing and the supply chain world. I mean, the demand is off the charts, Polaris uh, released their uh, uh, their latest quarterly results, numbers off the page. But back to your original question, what, what they're seeing is uh, all of the, the stay-at-home quarantine activities have brought to them a whole new customer dynamic. In the last year, they added 700,000 new customers that never bought a Polaris product before. Mm-hmm. 40% of them were women. That's wow. never happened before. They've never seen that before. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's just, it's really interest, just interesting to watch what's, what's happened as we've come through this, uh, this emergency. Um, and now out, out, uh, out the back end of it, um, you know, we, when we do our planning, we look forward uh, about 18 months uh, to try to predict where things are going to go. The first six months are pretty solid. After that, you're, you're guessing. Uh, but, but our forecast looking forward look really, really strong for all, all of 2021. Well, that's uh, that's certainly fantastic news. Just having uh, having strong projections, but you you were right to kind of bring up some of the uh, some of the challenges that have come along with you know having so many orders and, and things being as busy as they've been throughout this time. Now, you you mentioned the the plants and uh, and having so many people working uh, long hours and things like that. Um, your largest plant is in Michigan, right? So, uh, did you have any challenges with that particular uh, Michigan operation in, in 2020? And uh, what are you, what are you anticipating for 2021? Well, I could talk a long time about, about <laughs> Michigan. I grew up in Michigan, so I'm pretty fond of it. I don't live in Michigan right now, but I, I know Michigan very, very well, and I have a lot of friends in Michigan. But I will say that, and I don't think this is any secret, but the state government in Michigan took probably, they're, they're right up there in a, in a handful of states that took very, very strict measures uh, to address the, the COVID pandemic. And those measures uh, still exist today, mm-hmm. and they're, they're difficult for us. Uh, I'll give you an example. At the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Governor Whitmer uh, used her pen and her executive order authority to lock things down and so forth. And as time has gone on, the Michigan Supreme Court has decided that 
that almost all of her executive actions were unconstitutional. So now her default is to use uh, Michigan OSHA to implement work rules under the safety banner to protect employees from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The, the rules that have been enacted uh, require, uh, I'll give you an example. If, if we have an employee who tests positive for COVID, and we've had to date, um, I don't recall the exact count, but I'll say about, about 20 employees in our Michigan plant who have tested positive. No, no one has been serious. Everyone has uh, uh, recovered some uh, really, really mild cases, uh, but about, about 20 cases so far. Mm-hmm. So when, when we have an employee that tests positive, the uh, county health department contacts us to tell us that. Uh, the employees immediately sent home uh, for a minimum of two weeks. But on our end, uh, the company is required to uh, interview the employee and prepare a list of other employees that they could have co- come into contact with mm-hmm. in the last two weeks uh, for 15 minutes or more per day, whether you're wearing masks or not, it doesn't matter. Right. And so we prepare that list of, of uh, other employees and, and they're sent home and automatically quarantined for 10 days. No testing, no questions, automatic 10-day quarantine. So for each positive COVID result, we'll lose five to 10 other people uh, right, right away. And uh, so it, you know, try, trying to keep the plant staffed when we're running full out is really, really been a challenge. And, and I, I, I don't see any let up anytime soon uh, from the state of Michigan. Uh, you know, I track the COVID numbers almost daily. What I see is very encouraging in Michigan. It looks like for the latest wave here that uh, Michigan is, is past the peak and on the backside, which is really good news. Right. But I don't see, uh, I don't anticipate that the state of Michigan is going to going to back off on, on requirements anytime soon. That's interesting, and, and you, you're right to kind of point out some of the some of the challenges involved with uh, with that particular plant. You know, and, and the fuel system group also has an operation in Thailand, if, if I'm if I'm correct. And the engine management group, headed by Jerry Kibbe, also has a plant in Thailand. So, can you talk about this operation and the markets that that particular uh, that that particular operation serves? Uh, we do have a sister plant in in Thailand, in uh, Chonburi, Thailand. Uh, we have two plants there. We have an engine management plant and then the uh, fuel systems plant. They're about about a half a mile apart in the same industrial park. That plant is much smaller than than our Michigan plant. Um, there's there's a history there. We we moved a blow molding press to Thailand eight years ago at the request of Honda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honda has a big operation in in uh, Thailand and they saw regulations changing and they were anticipating they were going to have to change to multi-layer fuel tanks to meet the emissions requirements. So we moved, we moved uh, our press number four to Thailand and we have uh, lots of other customers there now. Uh, Polaris as uh, one of our Thailand customers. So we make a couple uh, fuel tanks for, for their youth products uh, and uh, uh, Suzuki is a customer there. 
so we we have uh, a pretty good customer base there, and and that is a uh, a world class operation. I can't say enough good things about our our Thailand plant. When uh, when we measure quality, one of the things we look at is our external defect rate. So how, how many how many bad parts are returned to us from customers? And we measure that in parts per million. Last year, for all of last year, the Thailand plant, their quality rate in parts per million was 10, 10 parts per million. Ooh. That's that's world-class by in any industry. That's it's incredible. just, uh, they're, they're really, really good. Uh, into the future, we're, we're going to be uh, moving more work into the Thailand plant. Uh, personally, I have a, f- a philosophy that where you make things, you should try to make them as close as possible to your customers. And so we're going to focus on our Asia customers uh, for the output from the from the Thailand plant. Uh, but they're just they're just really really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Last year, trying to capitalize on that, we we moved uh, our plant manager from our Thai plant. We moved up to our Michigan plant. Uh, his name is. Uh, Bunjong Jantoye, and uh, Bunjong, super sharp guy, uh, is now our our deputy plant manager in Michigan, uh, and uh, e- everything he touches, he improves. It's amazing to watch him. There'll be some good things coming uh, in the Thai plant, and just a comment, you know, back to the COVID question as it relates to Thailand. Thailand, uh, you know, most people don't realize how how big it is and how many people live there, but there are about 80 million people that live in Thailand. Goodness. Yeah. So it's so it's not it's not a tiny little little country. Right. There are a lot of people that live there and and so far through COVID, though in the whole country of Thailand, they've had under 100 deaths. Goodness. That's uh that's incredible given what we've seen in some other places. It's amazing. Under, under 100. So you have to ask yourself how how can that be possible when we have north of 400,000 here and of course, we have three and a half times the people. Yeah. But even with 90 million people, you'd expect more than than 100 mm-hmm. deaths. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the difference is, they wear face masks. They have been doing it forever. It's not. This is nothing new to them. It's just. It's culturally, they just understand that. If you have a cold or you have the flu, you, you put a face mask on. Yeah. And you don't, put, you don't put the face mask on to protect you. You put a face mask on to protect other people, to protect your family and the people that you come in contact with. You just automatically put a face mask on to protect other people. And that's just the way they think. It's, it's, it's endemic in their culture. And um, the, the results, the COVID results, if you just look at the numbers, it's night and day. It's just you could not have a more stark contrast, and it, and it all comes back to face masks. That makes a lot of sense. It's uh, it, Quite frankly, it's common sense um, when you describe it that way. But another market that's been really hot recently has been the marine market, right? With, with Walbro supplying companies like Mercury Marine and Yamaha and Suzuki, it must be an exciting time to participate in these kinds of markets. Can you talk about the impact that a customer like Mercury Marine has on your operation in Michigan? And I know it's just right across the pond, uh, Lake Michigan, so to speak. So Walbro must have a distinct advantage in, in delivering products to a customer like Mercury. Um, kind of talk us through that relationship and the benefits that it provides. Yeah, Mercury is another great customer, and and we have a, a 
decades long relationship with Mercury. Mm. I also have a long history with Mercury. Prior prior to joining Walbro, I owned a small manufacturing business in in Indiana, and Mercury was one of my customers. So uh-huh. when I when I visit Mercury, I, it's like uh, you know old home day. I just running into old friends that I've worked with for a long time. So we are excited about a, a long future uh, with Mercury, and we want to be there uh, to satisfy their fuel system needs. The other marine customers uh, that you mentioned uh, with Yamaha and Suzuki, uh, Tahatsu is also in the mix. And uh, we've had some recent discussions with, uh, with Volvo as well um, that we, we see, uh, we see uh, additional opportunity for us in the, in the marine space. Uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll continue to, to work it hard. Well, it's been an incredibly busy time uh, at Walbro, just given the explosion in so many of these markets that we've seen. Uh, Mike, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, just about the year 2020, what you're looking ahead to in 2021 and the industries that you serve before we wrap up this episode today? Well, I think probably the last thing I should mention is uh, with the first of the year, we've uh, we've made a pretty significant shift here at Walbro in our in our organization. I think maybe you might have heard a little bit about this, but we have organized now around our product lines and created three business units to very, um, very closely focus on those product lines and the customers that uh, uh, that purchase them. And our our intent in doing this is to flatten out the organization a little bit and and. Uh, make decisions uh, much more quickly. And uh, we're seeing the benefits already. Prior to the first of the year, I was Walbro's chief operating officer. So I had all of the manufacturing facilities and the supply chain uh, for Walbro. Mm -hmm. Now, Now I've just got two factories and a handful of customers that I can focus on very, very closely and give them much more attention and uh, stay very, very closely connected with them. Uh, and uh, our CEO, Matt Riddle, has has pushed uh, decision uh, authority down to the business units. So we're able to identify what needs to be done and make decisions and just get it done. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm really excited going forward that uh, we're going to be able to uh, react uh, more quickly and be more nimble and supportive of our customers uh, into this coming year. Well, I think you you put it really well there that... uh that I think uh, a lot of people after 2020 came away saying, all right, we're going to focus on being flexible, being nimble, and being able to meet needs quickly. Um, and, and I think doing that uh, is is a great step. And uh, and Walbro is obviously going in the right direction, just given uh, how busy things are, how many uh, uh, how many orders you have, and uh, and just the the direction of this industry. It seems like uh, you're in a really healthy place, and uh, and that's fantastic to hear. Well, it's it's going to be busy and. You know, COVID's not going away for a while. I mean, they're rolling out the vaccine. That's great, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna be with us for most of this year. We're we're not expecting to 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 dodge that bullet just yet. Uh, we're gonna have, gonna have to continue to take care of our employees and keep them healthy. Uh, and uh, uh, we've learned to do that uh, in the past year, so we'll we'll continue to do that and and deliver for our customers. 
Well, I'm excited to see uh, how things continue to develop in 2021 and how uh, Walbro takes on these challenges head on and continues to uh, find success in the market. And so Mike Coyle, Executive Vice President at Walbro and President of the Fuel Systems Business Unit. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and uh, and describing a little bit more about what the past year has been like and, uh, and what 2021 sets up like as well. So Mike, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, Tyler. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Talk and Shop with Walbro. We appreciate it very much. Of course, as I'm sure you're aware, we have plenty of episodes of the podcast. So for more insights like what Mike provided today, make sure to go back and listen to previous episodes of the show where we talk just about different business units within Walbro, what the market is setting up as, what growth has looked like over the past year, and much, much more. And of course, we'll be back soon with new episodes of the podcast. So if you enjoyed this one, stay tuned for those. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for listening. 